Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 15% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. I guess we'll call this the quarantine show. All right, I'm here by myself yeah. today. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, we were going to have Junior at least come in, but he's been traveling, so we just thought it would be a good idea to not have anybody else come in today. So uh, Milton Camp is here, Purple Belt, Fight Sports, Coral Springs. Everybody uh, that's listening out there or watching, stay tuned to, uh, to the end of the, the episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the giveaways and some things that have changed. But right now, we're going to dive right in with Jason Scully, who you see here on the screen. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt and founder of the Grappler's Guide. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me. Appreciate no, it. Yeah, glad to have you here. Uh, thank you for doing this. I know this is kind of like a weird time, but this weirdness is kind of what made me reach out to you uh, because of the coronavirus and the social distancing, the gym's closing. Um, you uh, actually put out a video. Uh, it was titled BJJ Academy Quarantine Project that sparked me to leave a comment. And uh, uh, people that know me or listen to the show know that I've been mentioning your videos since we started. Uh, I use yeah, them I since I was that. a white belt. I'm six years in. I'm a purple belt again. But, um, but you know, been watching you for so long. I was just uh, sitting on the couch having my coffee one morning doing what I do. And, and I put you on just to, you know, see what I was, you know, just uh, I, I like the 55 moves and, you know, seven minutes videos. Those just really work for me. I always catch something new and then work on that in the gym. And I came across the, uh, the, the quarantine video. So um, just as a little tease there, we're going to come back to that. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Um, you know, run down your resume, rank, where you're training now. Give us a little, just your background in jiu-jitsu period. Uh, I am a third degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been training for 19 years, so I'm wow. approaching that two-decade that two mark. Oh, wow. I started uh, February 19, 2001. I remember the exact day really? that I signed up. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember signing the paper. I remember the first submission I, I was ever. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first submission I was ever caught in. Uh, so it was, it was. It was just like a pretty like cool experience. I had a wrestling background before then. Okay. And I was basically like, I was basically like, man, this is like wrestling, but I get to choke people. Yeah. Especially when I got choked with the gi first, I was like, I was like, is this allowed? I thought they were cheating. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, I was like, you, I was like, you could do that with the clothes. So it just kind of like blew my mind. So yeah, so it's been uh, about 19 years. I got my black belt from Jared Wiener. Um, Jared was Lloyd Irvin's first black belt. Okay. Uh, obviously, that's a controversial name, um, but you know, it was uh, when I started training with Jared. It, it really the whole team taught me how to like grind. So that completely changed my perspective of competitive jujitsu. And uh, just throughout my career of jujitsu, I actually I got my belt from. A different instructor every single it's rank. A, oh yeah! Oh really? Wow. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I started running my own academy as a blue belt. Okay. In about 2004, and then I ran an academy for about 10 years. Sold my academy about seven years ago, so I could do everything strictly online. Um, I am known as the internet stalker, pretty much. Stalker? No, I, I, <laughs> I call I, I call myself that. I call myself that because. It's hard to be online in jiu-jitsu and not see me somewhere. Okay. Right? There's some Facebook ads. Yeah. So, so I just kind of like joke around and I call myself that. I'm like the internet guy, you know. Okay. But fortunately, um, I've, really, I've really been fortunate to get a lot of positive feedback throughout the years. 
Um, so that, that's actually like, one of my, my cool. questions. I know when I first started again, uh, I think June will be six years. I started right mm. before my 41st birthday. Um, in the beginning, I mean, that's not that long ago. You've been doing videos, online videos. I think you told me since 2006, right? 2000 and, 2006 is when I started my online ventures just in general. That's when I started teaching myself internet marketing, email marketing, YouTube. Um, I just went through the whole rabbit hole of, of internet marketing. Yeah. And my first YouTube video was ever was 2006. And actually, it end, for the longest time, it actually being, ended up being one of the most popular YouTube videos uh, for jiu-jitsu for really? a while. So yeah, when, I, when I first started watching your videos, I, I mean, I found you like right in the beginning. Like, as soon as I started, well, let me go look at that move that my coach just taught me. Um, I feel like when I first started to tell my coach at that time that I was watching videos, he didn't like it. At oh. that time... Nobody liked it at that time, right? It, it, it was like a, a, a no-no from the coaches. Yeah. Right? I kind of feel like there was always that alternative. Uh, that there, there was a reason. There was a reason that they didn't like it. And it was because you're getting, was it more because you were getting training from someplace else? Or like, hey, I don't want you to, to find a scary move and you hurt somebody. What's your sense I think of most that? Of it is, I think most of it is ego, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's like, I'm your instructor. You should be following what I'm saying. You're at my academy. You shouldn't be doing anything else. That's, that was my perspective in general when it came to uh, basically saying don't learn things from YouTube, right? Okay. Because they can, they can just say, hey, okay, what did you learn? Show it to me. And they can either say, hey, that's a good idea or it's not a good idea. Or say something like, hey – I kind of like the direction it's going, but let me show you how to make it better. They can actually piggyback off of the YouTube videos and yeah. make their, their students better off of them as well. But from my experience, it just seemed like it was an ego thing where they're like, no, I don't want you learning from YouTube. Mm. Now, back then, especially when I first started making YouTube videos, most of the videos were bad, right? Because there were blue belts and purple belts making YouTube videos for the most part. But also the reality of it is, uh, you may have learned too. You can learn from most people, right? You either you it either works or it doesn't. So if you learn something on YouTube, whether it's taught by a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt or a black belt, if you try it in training and it works, it works. Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter who taught it at that moment. But it was just interesting because I went through the experience of you know instructors being like, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't watch YouTube, you shouldn't do this. But to be honest, in my 19 years of jujitsu, most of the stuff I've learned was either through self-exploration or through videos. I, you know, in the beginning, my coaches, he didn't like it. And I did get the sense it was more of, well, if you're getting it there, you might not need me. So, you know, we're, mm. that's you know, kind of an extension of the ego, I guess. But very quickly, he knew I wasn't going to stop. And I was his first student. My coach that uh, that I started training with was a family friend, opened his gym. We traded actually marketing services for jujitsu lessons. I stuck with him for a long time, for a couple of years. Uh, his gym closed. But during that time, he just kind of gave into it. He just said, all right, what, you know, what have you been looking at? What and I used to bring my iPad. There was a point where I'd bring my iPad. It would just be me and him training. I'd put a video on, whether it was yours or something else that I, that I found, and I'd say, I want to learn how to do that. And it was usually an extension of something that he had taught me anyway. Because, again, exactly. what I tell people on the show, um, you know, especially when we get listener questions, it's exactly that. I didn't just go, like, try to find the crazy moves, which you do. You come across stuff. 
but I would go find, I would Google or search in YouTube the move that he just showed me. And I'd figure out what I was doing wrong or how I could do it better or the little variations that, that extended from that, and which is, you know, again, uh, you know, why your videos resonated with me because, oh, wow, bottom, you know, bottom guard, bottom half guard. I could just see all these, oh, wow, my leg is always there. Why, why aren't I doing that? And he just gave into it. So I'd have my iPad off to the side of the mat and I'd show him the video and then he'd show me his take on it. And he just kind of became okay with it. But switching gyms and working with other people and coaches, again, you kind of usually find that they don't love it. The excuse that I have gotten in the past is a little bit more like, I don't want you doing something crazy and hurting somebody. But Again, I, I think for the most part, yeah. I agree and, with you. And what you ego. mentioned, exactly, but what you mentioned that your coach ended up doing is exactly what I described. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he used it as a way of saying, okay, you're watching these videos. Let me see how I can make you better off of watching these videos. So instead mm -hmm. of saying, no, don't watch these videos, yeah. you're saying, okay, I'm going to coach you with these videos as a supplement and I can guide you in the proper direction. Yeah. And, and with the videos that I made where it's like a million moves in five minutes, that's really the perfect thing where you can say, Hey, like this person did this move. It, it, this like clip for five seconds. Can you show me how to do it? Right. Yeah. Cause I'm not teaching you anything in those videos. Yeah. I'm literally giving you a demo. So in my opinion, coaches should love those videos because it's basically saying, here's an idea take it to your coach and ask your coach about that idea so you could figure yeah. out how to do it essentially. Cause you're not going to learn like the nitty gritty details off of those videos. Yeah. It's just going to open up your mind a little bit. It's just going to give you perspective. And that was the biggest, that was the biggest thing about those videos. And I think that's why people like them so much yeah. is because it gave you perspective. And the reality of it is watching YouTube videos is like smoking crack. Like seriously, <laughs> like you, your coach, can never heard, you never, never heard anybody put it that way before. <laughs> yeah. Your, your coach can tell you as much as they want to stop smoking that crack, right? But it's, it's super hard to stop. Yes, it is. And also the reality of it is anytime somebody tells you, especially as a grown adult, 40-something years old, right, or whatever, as soon as somebody tells you that you shouldn't be doing something, in your mind you're like, what? Like, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and, and you're going you're to keep doing it. Yes, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, it's like – as a as somebody who then I also coach there, I coach the kids classes. Um, my coach was in law enforcement, so sometimes he'd be like, I'd get a call at four thirty on the way home from work. He's like, you got to open the school for me today, and it was just like, go train whatever. I'd stop, I'd sit before the kids showed up, and I would pull up one of your videos and say it would give me ideas on how to coach. So from the training perspective, and albeit they were kids, and sometimes I would do the adult classes even as like a four-stripe white belt, a new school, so almost everybody was behind me. It was all new, uh, you know, new white belts. Uh, I would use it for ideas as a coach. So I think it, you know, it, it resonated with me from, from both sides. But so okay, let's let's go back to the gym. So you stopped running your did you stop running your gym to do the grappler's guide or you know was yes. was there any reasoning behind it because we're going to be talking about how, you know, gym owners now what, what they're going through but um was it specifically for that to run this business to run the grappler's guide? Yeah, it was it was to run the yeah. grappler's guide. So I ran a gym for about 10 it was about 9 10 years. I don't even remember exactly how long mm -hmm. it was. And I started running it when I was a, a blue belt and it was based out of necessity essentially. So like we split with an instructor and like, I didn't really have anywhere to train and I was helping somebody with their website, with the academy that they had at mm -hmm. the time. And they were like, 
hey, do you want to be a part of it and be like a 50-50 partner? And I was like, sure. I was like, okay, now I'll be a business owner. I'll be a, a gym owner. And then um, I'll always have a place to train for free, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So uh, I just kept building that up and I ended up being successful with my gym. And I was you know, making a living. I was making money. I was able to pay my bills. But I never stopped doing the internet at the mm-hmm. same time, right? Because I started running a gym Around, I want to say like 2004, I started doing the, learning about the internet, internet marketing, um, ad marketing, just everything about internet marketing in 2006. So it was both com- they were both coming up together. Mm-hmm. And then 2011, I had my big break in the internet marketing world. And then I just started making a good amount of income in comparison to my gym. And I was still making decent income there. And then there was a point where I just decided – Sometimes there's a point in life where you choose to make life changes based on mm-hmm. quality of life, right? So yeah. for me, quality of life, quality of life is everything. Right? I don't, okay. you know, w- w- whether we live another life past this or not, who knows? But for me, quality of life right now is what's the most important. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I'm doing so well online. I do have this gym and it's successful, but what would it be like if I didn't have to show up to a building anymore? Mm-hmm. Right? What would it be like if I didn't have to walk in and teach a class anymore where I can wake up whenever I want? I can do this whenever I want. I could choose to take off whenever I want. I was like, what would that be like? And I was like, if I'm going to try that, now is the time. Mm-hmm. So, so can I, what was the big break? Let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but go back. You said you had your big break in 2006. What was that big 11, break? Oh, I'm sorry, 11, 11. Okay. You said I those, had, I had a big those, break. It was those videos. It was those videos taking, those, just taking those videos off. Were my, yeah, because what happened was I made a video in 2006. I was a blue belt. It was like mm-hmm. 55, 50 something closed guard moves in however many minutes. I don't even know if I titled it. <laughs> I don't even know if I titled it that way. The first video I've ever made like that was in 2006. I was a blue belt. I don't know if you you know, mixedmartialarts.com. At that time, it was MMA.TV, I believe. Okay. And somebody asked a question on the forum because I've been active in the forums forever. And they said, hey, what's your favorite clothes guard techniques? And at that time, I was studying Barrett Yoshida and really working on clothes guard. So I just took one of my training partners, had a camera, and I said, hey, can I just run some moves here? And I didn't even, I didn't even realize I did 50 moves. Like I didn't have an outline or anything. Of no. I just literally blasted whatever was in my brain and recorded at that moment as a blue belt of everything that I like to do from clothes guard. I put okay. it up on YouTube and then it got very popular. It was, it, it was the only video like that for a long time. I remember I even went to the 2007, um, I think it was 2000. When was the Abu Dhabi in New Jersey? I forget. I think it was before my time in jiu-jitsu, I think. So I went to the Abu Dhabi uh, when it was in New Jersey because I live in New Jersey. And I, I, had, I was a purple belt at the time, and I had people coming up to me being like, are you Jason Scully? Oh, man, I love that video. It was like, I love that video. Like, and I'm like, I'm this purple belt. Like, and I'm like, it was kind of a surreal situation. So then in 2011, I had this, like, this like epiphany where I was like, man, if this video is so popular, what would happen if I redid it? It was better quality, and I just talked over it. So I redid the video, and within, I want to say, like two months, it got just as many views that it took about five years wow. for that original video to get. So then, I was, so then I was basically like, okay, so this took off so well, let me make another one. And then that took off, and I was like, let me make another one. And then because it was such a unique idea at the time, 
it just kind of like it was getting posted all over. It was getting posted on Bloody Elbow. It was getting posted on on pretty much every single popular jujitsu and MMA site all over the world. And at that moment, I'm all about opportunity. Like, if you ever read the, if you if you've ever read the book Outliers, right? So no, basically, I know, I know the book. The, I have not read it. One of the biggest premises, you know, a lot of people quote the ten thousand rule with Outliers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The 10,000 hour rule, right? But one of the things that really sticks out for me when I read the book Outliers is the, is the ability of taking advantage of opportunity, right? You take advantage of the opportunity of the time you're in, of the, the um, circumstances that are given to you. You either take advantage of them or you don't, right? Mm-hmm. And me, the way my mind always is, is if I see an opportunity, I take it. Mm-hmm. So it was the outlier principle where I was like, man, this is, this is my time. Right, so this is my time. I already made the Grappler's Guide in two thousand and seven, so it already existed. Okay, that, that was another outlier thing as well, because I'll talk. I could talk about that uh, okay. either. Yeah, later we'll, or we'll, we'll get to that as well. Yeah. So basically, I um, I was like, man, this is my time. So then I really started promoting the Grappler's Guide, and then because people saw those videos, and they basically, I guess, they thought of me as like the encyclopedia of jujitsu. Okay. And I told people, I was like, listen, this isn't whatever I'm showing you online is the stuff that I, I know this stuff. So you can ask me about it. It doesn't really matter. I'll tell you about it. Like there's so much jujitsu in my brain. Yeah. It's like, it's like ridiculous. Um, and then I started promoting the grapplers guide. People just kept signing up and signing up. And the thing is, is they enjoyed the grapplers guide. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait a second. He doesn't just have these million videos in five minutes. He actually teaches techniques and they actually, they liked it. I was mm-hmm. very fortunate that they liked the stuff that I taught. Um, now I'm not going to say I'm like the best instructor or online instructor, but I'm just fortunate that people enjoyed it and they just, they just kept recommending it to others. And then I just started doing well online. And at that point I was like, man, I could either just, I could run both and be busy. Right. And just basically my whole life is work Mm -hmm. or I could choose one or the other. And I was like, if I choose the online one, now I can work, but I could also choose to just be stress free as much as possible. I'm looking at my right? camera, so, man, because I'm, 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 it's, it's what's happening to us right now. <laughs> the podcast yeah, is getting so, so popular that we're, you know, it's just like you, I have a nine to five and I am working all yeah. day, you know. And at jobs. that time, I was, I was with my, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think about my life, right? I think about the way it's going at the moment. You know, how am I going to do when I'm running at a gym? Am I going to be able to have enough instructors? Like, what's it going to be like when I have a family and mm. I'm teaching six days a week at night? Right? Is that going? Is that going to affect my family negatively? Because mm. there are pros and cons to running school specifically. Not even just the martial arts of school. There are pros and cons to running a jujitsu school. And one of the cons are it's very hard to take yourself out of that business. Yeah. It's such a specialty. It's such a specialty martial art that it takes a very long time for you to actually take yourself out of the classes. So I'm like, I'm like, this is my break, right? I can now focus more on my family, my future wife, my future kids, and I don't have to show up to a location. So I just kind of rolled the dice, and I was like, let's see what happens. And you know, the fortunate thing is that the, you know, I rolled the dice, and you know, I hit some, I hit some good numbers. Yeah, basically. And now I'm at a point where it's very hard for me to go back to that, right? So if somebody was like, would you open up a jujitsu school? I'm like, no, I wouldn't open up a jujitsu school because. I'm, I'm where I'm at now. I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, the decisions that I've made in life, um, I've been very fortunate to have some, some things line up for me. So, so let's uh, take a step back. You, 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 how many kids do you have? I have two. You have two? Ages? Yeah. 
uh, 12 years old and two. And does your 12 year old train? She actually just started training about four months ago. Yeah. I never put, so she's my stepdaughter, but I've okay. known her since she was about five years old. Right. Okay. So I've been in her life. I've been in her life pretty much. All she knows is me. Okay. Um, and we have a very close relationship and I never really, I never really pushed her to like to do jujitsu, but she developed interest for probably about four months ago and she started doing it and she just, she really liked it and yeah. she actually took to it. She took to it very well. Yeah. She also dances too. She's very good at dancing. She actually does Bollywood dancing. Okay. Uh, that's like her true, that's like her first passion. Yeah. But she did take to jujitsu and she really liked it. And my goal was to just make sure she enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. No pressure. You like it. You like it. You don't, you don't. Um, cause I just want her to enjoy the, the activities that she does. Now with the two year old, I'm going to see if she likes it. I'm going to have fun with her as she grows yeah. up. And it's the same thing, right? If she likes it and she wants to keep doing it, then she'll do it. If not, then she won't, you know, it's, you know, curious about your suggestion of when, if uh, let's say you, you ran a school. So, when would you take student? Did you have a kids program when you when you had your school? I did. I did have a kids program. At that at that time, it was growing, right? So it was growing. Everybody, yeah. every, anybody who was like a smaller kids program, it's always growing. You know, <laughs> two kids. <laughs> anybody? Yeah. If I ask, because because I was looking around for schools for my daughter that were closer, and anytime somebody said that it was growing, it basically meant that they had a small program. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I was growing because I had such a focus on competition jujitsu okay. at that moment and the adults program, but kids, kids make you money like yeah. as well. Like yeah. it's just the reality of life as far as making a living. Um, so I did have a kids program. Now I don't, I don't really know if there's like a, a right or wrong time to have them join, but I would say initially the ideal time frame is probably before the age of 11, 12. Okay. Right. Now the reason for that is because once, uh, once uh, a kid hits um, the teenage age, mm-hmm. right, they're very independent in their mind. Yeah. Right. So they're very they, now at that point they're doing jujitsu 100% either because they want to or because they don't. Yeah. As they get younger, it's easier to plant them in. Yeah. jujitsu yeah. right and see if they like it it's just what they 13, do it's mommy and daddy bring me here and i do this at this time exactly yeah. right so if you bring a four five six seven eight nine and sometimes even a 10 year old into jujitsu it's easier to just plop them in that class and see if they like it right yeah you bring a 12 13 14 15 year old it is not easy to do that they can't like, live without their phone for a, whole, a full hour <laughs> oh yeah exactly <laughs> We we have a lot of we have that's a lot asking of a lot, Jason. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of phone rules in our house, yeah. so you know, fortunate for that too. Oh, we got to talk uh, about that off air because we're having that conversation with our sixteen-year-old right now. Oh the yeah, phone yeah, time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine. Um, but you know, so with my daughter, so she's been she's twelve, right? So she's in that age range. Mm-hmm. But it goes to she did it because she wanted to do it. Okay. Right. It wasn't it wasn't something that we forced her to do. Um, and, uh, so I believe, I believe before the age of like 11, in between four five and 11. Okay. It's probably the ideal time that you can just kind of just put them in a class yeah, and see if they like it and mm-hmm. they either embrace it or, or they don't. So now you were talking about doing a competition training at your school or do yeah. you train every day, a couple of times a week at a school? Like, you know, what is your training regimen like? So 
you know, it varied based on where I was in my junior grade. So I started at the age of 20, okay. and I'm 39 now. I'll be 40 in August. And I, my first ever competition was probably two, man, two months after training. Okay. So I was a white belt. I started training two months later on. And it was because, you know, I had a wrestling background. I wasn't very – I wasn't extremely good at wrestling, but I loved the the competition environment. Okay. I just – like challenge is fun. Right? Yeah. If something's challenging for me, it's fun because it's an opportunity for growth essentially. Mm-hmm. So I started competing about two months in and then I just – I never stopped competing at that point. Yeah. And then when I started running a gym, I was – especially as, as brown belt because brown belt is the first year that i did the world championships okay but literally the, literally the day that i got my purple belt i said out loud when i get my brown belt i'm going to do the worlds and then i did the worlds five months after that wow um but so it was like purple belt i was focusing on competition a decent amount brown belt is where the grind really started happening and i trained every day for the most part like so mm-hmm. when i was in between the age of 20 to like 30 i want to say i trained like six days a week sometimes twice a day three four days a week especially when i was running a gym that was that was my job so i was able to show up in the afternoon and show up at night and then when i knew that there were certain competitions coming up then we had we the the environment was a little different right so it was more of like a a, like a push pace type of environment Mm -hmm. then i got my brown but i started training with like team lawyer irvin okay the grind really happened at that yeah. point, like, when you're part of the, that team, you gotta you gotta grind. If you don't, like, you're gonna get smashed. Yeah. And, and what about so, now? What's your what's your your training regimen like now? Do you go go to a, actively go to a school? Are you training? Do you have some place that you go? And you don't have to tell us. We don't want fans to show up <laughs> looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I trained at the school that I sold. Okay. All right. So, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So the so the fortunate thing is. When I sold the school, I sold it to somebody who used to be my student. Okay. I don't they're, – they're not my student now, right? They yeah. actually – they got their black belt from Jared as well. Okay. So I, I, around Purple Belt, well, his name is Chris Ulbrich. He actually went and lived with Team Lloyd Irvin. Okay. So he, part of, he was like part of like the Metal Chasers like okay. house stuff. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Not, I'm with, not – it might be a little bit before my time and I don't do a lot of competitions anymore. Yeah, so so if you look up like Team Lloyd Irvin and the Metal Chasers, there's a whole thing behind that. So he lived with Lloyd Irvin for about two years, and at that point, he wasn't really a student anymore. He was more of just like a teammate. Okay, he came back um, before all the Lloyd drama happened. So if you don't know about the Lloyd drama, definitely look that up as well. (laughs) So uh, he came back, and that's when I was at the point of transitioning out. So I was transitioning out of the school and he knew that I was transitioning out. And it, it was basically like he took advantage of the outlier principle. Okay. Right? So he saw an opportunity and gave me the additional opportunity to be able to disconnect in a smooth manner. Okay. Yeah? Instead of being like, Hey guys, I'm not running a school anymore or having like a complete stranger run the gym. Yeah. So he took over, um, the gym and then, He's doing extremely well with it. And because of the fact that I've known him for so long and him and I are really good friends and I know all the people who are training, a lot of them were my students as yeah. well. And they were really pushing me along. I'm like, you know what? I don't run this school anymore, but why wouldn't I still go there? Yeah, that's awesome. 
So I, I transitioned out. It took it took a little bit of while. It took a little while for people to kind of get used to it because they still thought of me as like the head person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're definitely at a point where they know that like Chris is like the main guy, and I just come in and train. Now I teach classes like you know maybe once every couple months because I miss it sometimes. Yeah. Like I do miss running a class. I I love teaching it. Teaching classes. It's hard for me to be in a class and not feel passion when I'm yeah. teaching it. Yeah. Like, like I really enjoy it. Um, but it's, it's also cool for me to go to a place that I, I never left my comfort zone. So even though I stopped running a gym, I didn't have to find a new home. It's a second home. It's, still, it, it, it's my, my it's gym is my second there. home. I didn't love when I had to transition from my first to my, my second, but I, I'm in a lucky position where I've only gone to two schools, my first and the one that I've been at now for four years. So yeah, yeah you, you become very comfortable. You know, people. Are my, you may not know this, but all of the people that uh, the the five or the four other co-hosts that we have like a little mm-hmm. round robin with are all teammates. I think only one of them isn't at our school anymore, uh, but we've all trained together and currently, you know, all train at the same gym. So uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I can't imagine going to another gym. You mentioned before that you went that you had somebody. Uh, you, you had a different person promote you at each belt was, did they, were you at the same gym or were, did you go to different gyms? Was it, did the coaches changed and you were at the same to, gym I or went, different gyms? I went to, I went to different gyms. Okay. You know, when I first started doing jujitsu, it was 2001 and in New Jersey, there wasn't a lot of jujitsu around. Yeah. So that was a, that was a point where there really wasn't much. So I pretty much, I literally took a nin, I took a ninjutsu class the day before I ever tried jujitsu. Okay. I wanted to be a ninja. <laughs> I've, I've, told, I've told, I've told this story before to other people, but like I literally went, I, my life as a child, I loved martial arts. Okay. I never took like formal martial arts for a very long time, but I, I wanted to be a ninja. I had ninja claws up for my hands and my feet. I'd blow <laughs> like a blow dart gun. I had nunchucks, all that stuff. And I took a ninjutsu class, and they did they did open hand striking, and it it ruined everything for me. Yeah, I I have five brothers, you know, and we fought. Oh, open and I was hand like, I was, like slap. Yeah, they were yeah, like yeah. they were like okay. standing like this and all yeah. that stuff, and I was like I was like man, I would never do this. I was already used to standing in a boxing stance. Yeah, and I, if they would have if they would have used like a sword or like Chinese stars or like nunchucks or something like that. I, w- I would be a ninja right they now. They would have had you. Like, I'm not even kidding. I would have never quit. And then I was like, man, I can't do this. So I went home and I Googled um, I Googled best martial art ever created. And then this Gracie Jiu-Jitsu came up. Yeah. So then I, <laughs> so then I joined the gym. And then I was with that guy for a year and a half. Um, I didn't really like the environment. Somebody else opened up about an hour away from me. So then I left the school I was at and I drove about – four to six days a week, an hour away to go train. And then we split from him. And then purple belt was kind of like a weird transition. I got actually, I got promoted twice to purple belt. So somebody I got make promoted. You start over? Did well, somebody like yeah, one of those yeah, situations? They're, they're the second person was like, we got affiliated with them and they're like, Oh, I want you to be a purple belt under me. Okay. So they promoted me. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then that person also promoted me to brown belt. Okay. Um, and then, then I got my black belt from a fourth individual as well. So now, I don't do, know if you want. Do you still compete? Are, are you still actively competing? I didn't. I actually did the Masters Worlds this past year. Okay. Um, it's by an advantage, unfortunately. Yeah. And that, 
first time I competed in seven years. I went from competing four times a month up until the age wow. of uh, what am I, 30, 32. From, from 20 to 32, I competed a lot. Like I did the world championship twice. I placed um, a third at the world in, at Brown Belt Adult Division. Okay. I placed in the Black Belt Nogi Pans. I placed in the uh, ADCC Trials okay. as well. Um, and then I hurt my shoulder really bad when I was 32. So it was 2012, I think it was. Okay. And, um, and then I, and then I, then I, I was training for competition again and then I tore my Achilles. Oh, that's a bad yeah, one. Yeah. And then I was for, yeah, then I was training for competition again and then I got married and then I had a kid, <laughs> man, man, the years just kept going, but I missed it. So like seven years went by I, in my mind, I, in my mind, I was still a competitor. So like, I loved it. Like just nothing was able to compare to competing and like the adrenaline of it and the challenge of it. Even if I wasn't like an elite level competitor, right? I always felt like I was above average and I enjoyed going out there and testing myself win or lose. It didn't really matter because I would lose and I would be pissed off, but I still felt like I learned something, Mm -hmm. right? I would win and I would be happy and I still felt like I learned something. And that, that meant a lot to me. So, uh, last year, I was like, man, I want to compete. I was like, it's been so long. And I, I was at a point in my life, especially with the grapplers guide and being the, the internet person, right? Mm-hmm. Where so I was at a point where I didn't, there was no need for me to compete. Yeah. Right. It was actually, it was actually probably more of a risk for me to compete. Right. Cause let's say I competed last year in the master's world and I got smashed. The person just made me look like a complete, like, like white belt. Yeah. It's more of a risk because now Jason Skelly just got smashed, right? Yeah. This guy teaches these online techniques, but I didn't, I didn't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. To me, what mattered is just how I felt about what I wanted to do at that moment, right? Because a lot yeah. of people in my, I believe a lot of people in my position would have just avoided competing altogether. They would have been like, you know what? I don't need to do this because like, you know, I'm making money. Uh, I'm popular and online. I'm able to teach seminars. I don't want my image to get tarnished yeah. if I lose. Me, I'm like, man, I miss competing. Like, this was super fun. And uh, before this whole coronavirus thing happened, I was actually planning on doing the Masters World this year as well. So, you know, uh, and the fact is, last year when I was training for competition, it, it gave me back that feeling of that push. Because when I knew I was competing, like, I, you're, now there's more of a purpose, Right? There's mm-hmm. there's something that there's an end goal. There's a goal, yeah. Yeah. So now my focus was different. I was working on my systems more. I was working on my game. I was very very scenario based in my training too. I had a schedule and I was grinding. There, my mind was completely different. Meaning like there was no sitting out whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, I never sat out anyway. In my mind, you don't sit out unless you're hurt. Yeah. You either tired or you're hurt. Right. Yeah. If you're tired, you don't sit out. If you're hurt, you sit out. So for me, if, when I'm like, I, I ask myself, are you tired or you're hurt? And I'm like, I'm tired. You stay in. Okay. So like then the that. competition, the competition mindset really like sunk in at that moment where I'm like, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's grind. Right. And then I was able to feel the adrenaline training. And then, uh, you know, even though I didn't win my, my first match in the master's world, the experience solidified why I used to like competing 
in the past. Yeah. And also solidified that even though I'm in a position of popularity where people can judge me, it doesn't matter because it's my life and it's how I feel. So um, that's kind of like a long story about yeah. how I approached it then and even now. So you mentioned well. your, your shoulder. I just, uh, just got an MRI two days ago. I think I have an MCL and a meniscus tear. I'm not even 100% sure uh, where I stand right now. I, I've got the MRI. I've got to go to the doctor, uh, the orthopedist next week. Uh, he'll look at the disc and, and tell me what's wrong. But uh, you mentioned your shoulder in- injury, and you smiled a little bit before we went on air about we can go over injuries. Uh, w- yeah. But go down, go down your list. You know, overall, I've been fortunate that I haven't got tons of injuries in jujitsu. My worst injury in jujitsu was my shoulder. So I believe it was in uh, May of 2012 is mm-hmm. when I hurt my shoulder. Uh, we were training Nogi, and we were in a scramble, me and this other uh, person. He was a, a purple belt at the time. Very, very good. A very good wrestler. And we were in this scramble, and it was one of those scenarios where you're kind of I was kind of upside down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where I was, but I was posting to stop whatever was happening. And all of a sudden I just felt like crack, crack, crack mm. in my shoulder. And I ended up getting a labrum tear. It was like a bank art tear and a slap tear. I think those were, that was the diagnosis. And I was like, oh man, like it was my first major injury in jujitsu. So essentially 12 years, about 11, 12 years in of doing jujitsu. Wow. I was already a black belt, already a black belt at the time. Uh, so that was my first major injury, of my only major injury of jujitsu, actually, and and I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like, uh, like my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> and then, and then I would say, thirty minutes to an hour, like I just sucked it up. I was like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. You control what you can control. You can't control what you can't control. That's just that's how life is, mm-hmm. right? If you focus on those two things, if you keep that in perspective then everything's okay, right? Then it keeps your stress level down. Yeah. So I adjusted, I never stopped training. So I basically put my arm in a, like I, I trained, I, I wrapped my arm really? around my belt. Yeah, and I trained with one arm for about four months. I was wow. scheduled I was scheduled to get surgery in August. And the reason why I was in August is because I actually had seminars scheduled. And I was like, man, I, I don't want to lose this money. So let me do it later on. I'm able to function. I'm able to walk. I can still kind of, I could still teach jujitsu. And I did some physical therapy. I actually did two sessions of physical therapy. They gave me some exercises. I stopped going to physical therapy and I just kept doing those exercises and I kept training jujitsu. The exact, the week that I was supposed to get surgery, I canceled it because I was able really? to do, I was able to do 50 pushups and 10 pulls without any pain. Wow. So I called him up. I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get surgery. I was like, I feel zero pain. I'm able to do push-ups and pull-ups. I was like, I, I'm not going to get cut up if I don't feel like I'm hurt. That was eight years later. So since that was, and to that point, I've never, I've never had a shoulder injury since. Okay. So, You're good. We almost, still got you. Yeah, yeah. You had a little, a little yep. hiccup there. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump in. Let's, uh, the reason why we're here, at least, for, you know, at least the invite and why I reached out, talk to us about the Academy quarantine project that you're doing. Let's, uh, let's let people know. And, and maybe if you can, let's, let's mix in and maybe you even want to start with for those who don't know, tell people exactly what the grappler's guide is and what you do. 
Okay, so um, I guess if we start with what the Grappler's Guide is, mm-hmm. the Grappler's Guide is, is a membership website. So okay. it's basically like you sign up, you get access to videos, and you can learn jujitsu and grappling. Now, it's the Grappler's Guide. It's not the jujitsu guide. So okay. there's jujitsu, there's sambo, there's judo. Okay. We have wrestling. We have wrestling for jujitsu as well. It's not straight wrestling. Uh, we just started adding uh, yoga for grappling okay. too. Um, and there's multi there's a multitude of, of instructors right there's josh hanger there's jt torres there's mikey musumechi there's uh mm-hmm. lachlan there's craig jones myself michelle nicolini um emily kwok like travis stevens it's like a whole wow. list yeah uh, a whole list of names that you get access to and you pay one time that's it wow it's not a monthly fee it's not a yearly fee and at the time of this podcast right depending on when people listen to it mm-hmm. it's currently 97 dollars so you, one time, $97. And with those people, you're not getting five videos, right? So let's say we take Josh Hinger's Advanced Hinger Teen series, 35 videos. Literally a whole DVD set worth. I don't hire people unless I can get a DVD set worth of content. Right? So that's the main. And I, you know, I, I do the best I can to pay the athletes well, right? Mm-hmm. I need to make it worth it for them for them to be on my site. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I came up with this idea in 2007. I was just a purple belt. And it was one of those things. It's either do it now or do it later. So in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm not a black belt. People don't really know who I am. I'm going to wait. And then literally that the end of that week, I think it was, I was like, you know what? If I wait, it's probably too late. Right? So you, you, throw, you throw the crap on the wall. You clean it up as you go. Right? <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. So I was uh, like, I have, this, I have this thing that I always say to myself. Doers do, talkers talk. Mm-hmm. Right? You're either going to do it or you're not. If you have an idea and you think there's like passion behind it, just do it. It either works or it doesn't. So that's pretty much what I did with the Grappler's Guide. And then it, I kept building it up. It started as just like a basic forum. And um, in 2012, I think it was, that's when I first really started hiring people. Bradley Bodycomb was actually the first person that I hired to put on my site. Mm-hmm. And it got such good feedback. I was like, man, let me hire more people. And like, yeah. let me hire more people. And then the grabbers guide, you know, was doing well. So I just, you know, just kept hiring individuals and putting up my own content. And fortunately people still liked my content as well. And uh, essentially you get thousands of dollars worth of content. Like if you bought separate DVDs of each of these series, it would probably cost you upwards of $7,000 total. Right. Right. right now I'm charging 97 bucks. Is that, did, is that, that you, is that dropped because of what's going on right now? Is that a special that $97? Actually, I was before oh. this, I actually raised the price because of this, uh, oh, really? what's going on right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so last year in 2019, I did pretty much, uh, no sales. The price was $297. Okay. And then this year I was like, you know what? Let me, I want to make it available to everybody. Like no matter what country you're in, no matter what your currency is, no matter what your, your income level is, I want to make it available to everybody. And the Grappler's Guide has been around for 13 years. It's not, this isn't like a fly-by-night website. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Let's make 87 bucks because I want, I want the whole entire world to be a part of the Grappler's Guide. And fortunately, like if you go on Reddit, if you're Reddit popular, you're popular in jiu-jitsu. Okay. Right? That's that's the way the internet world is now with jujitsu. If you get Reddit popular, you're going to be popular in jujitsu. Noted. Very no, fl- note that, Bo. 
No, seriously, for us, for us. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not yeah. even kidding. Yeah, right. You can if you can attach to the Reddit community. It's the most popular forum community in jujitsu yeah. right okay. now. Almost two hundred thousand people who do jujitsu are on Reddit, and and you get positive vibes from them. Mm-hmm. You will you will grow much wow. more. And okay. the reason why that's important is because you are attaching to people, right? You're attaching to people who train. It's mm-hmm. not just. It's not just Facebook ads, right? It's posting on your profile. It's not just posting on your fan page or sending out a newsletter, right? It's a community of people mm-hmm. who are saying, yes, I support you. So I've been very fortunate that Grappler's Guide has, um, has been supported. And, um, and then now there's just tons of advocates. So basically, I don't even, I don't even really need to advertise for the Grappler's Guide wow. that much. People just post, is the grappler's guide good? I don't touch anything for the most part. I answer questions if I feel like they need to be answered. But I always I always Google, I always check to see if anybody's talking about the grappler's guide. But they post and I just watch. And I'm very fortunate that I would say like nine times out of ten, or even ten times out of ten, people say, Yeah, dude, grappler's guide is probably the first thing you should be buying before anything. Okay. And um that's So you were talking about the, the pricing. Ju- you mentioned the pricing. You said you yeah, were so, uh, yes. you went up actually because of the coronavirus? Yeah, so I went up, and the reason why it was eighty—it was actually eighty-seven dollars. Okay. And because of the the relief project that I'm doing, I bumped it up to ninety-seven because I wanted to give a little bit of buffer room for people to make a little bit more money. Okay. But at the same time, I also have costs. Okay. As well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so because I'm giving forty percent of the profits. Okay. So I figured I would, you know, bump it up only ten dollars. It's not. It won't create uh, a sticker shock. Yeah. Right. So for people who don't know what sticker shock is, it's basically like you. Something could be so so useful and so worth it, right? Where it still creates a sticker shock. Like two ninety seven creates sticker shock. It could be the it could be the best program in the world, and it, it could be the best investment they ever make in jujitsu. But that two ninety seven goes makes people go, I don't know if I can afford that. Yeah. So I bumped it up ten dollars, so that way I could still avoid the sticker shock, mm-hmm. but I can also create some some buffer. Um, and if we get back to the relief project, because I don't want to go off on a, a tangent. You know, all this happened, and it happened so suddenly. And it's very hard for me to sit around and do nothing. Right? So mm-hmm. when I see something happen, if I'm in a position of positivity, and I have the ability to take that position of positivity and try to use it for other people, um, I'll do what I can to do that. Right. So this was a scenario where I saw this happen, and immediately people's gyms had to close down. And in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. like, man, what are people going to do? Right, like I, I love jujitsu, and I know what it's like to be a school owner. Yeah. Right, so I thought about what, what, what would, what would it be like if, if I was running a gym now? Right, how would I be feeling? Would I be panicking? Would I be, would I be trying to figure out how my life is going to be? So I was like, you know what, I'm doing well with the grapplers guide. You know, I'm very fortunate that life is good. You know, the cards have played out well for me. Let me see if I could take those cards and spread them out to other people. Uh, and I, you know, I figured if I do it, you know, at least for 30 days as well, like it won't really hurt me mm-hmm. also. Uh, you know, we've been raising about a thousand dollars a day so far. Wow. Um, and that goes, that goes, you know, to the, to the, the to the people believing in the grapplers guide and, and spreading the word too. uh, kind of very fortunate for that because they're, they're helping out other people too. Now, essentially the way it works is I have two options there's option one option two and they're not mutually exclusive okay what i mean is an academy contacts me and they say hey 
I would like to be part of the relief project. They fill out information on a Google form, uh, just information I need to kind of like accept them. Mm-hmm. And then take their academy name and I put it on the list of the checkout page. Let's say, for example, you have um, Milton BJJ, right? Somebody selects Milton BJJ, they sign up, you're automatically going to get 40% of that sale. That's yours. Okay. No matter what. And the reason for that is because it was a student, it might have been a friend, or it might have been somebody who says, you know what, I've heard of this person and I want to support them. And they, they're basically buying the membership and, and donating part of the profits to you directly. Okay. Right? So people have the ability to earn guaranteed money. Okay. Now some people are going to take advantage of it more than others. Like, so there's some people who've made a few hundred dollars already. There's some people who made $40, right? Your effort directly reflects on what you get in regards to that option. Okay. Then there's option number two. So that's an open option. I'm sorry. Option. The other option is the open pot option. So this is where any sales that an academy was not selected goes into the open pot. So every single sale, doesn't matter if it's my money or somebody else's money, goes towards helping somebody. But the money that goes to me directly, 40% of that goes to an open pot. Okay. So that just keeps raising and raising and raising and raising. And what I do with the open pot money is at that point, that doesn't directly go to anybody. At that, Then I have to kind of understand what your situation is. Mm-hmm. Right? What are your What do you need help with? Why do you need help? Are you just you just want the money because you want to get money? Yeah. Right. Or do you want the money because you feel because you because you need this because it's really going to help you? So I wish I could help everybody, you know, but I can't. So that's that's going to be the harder part of this process so, is making decisions. So will you choose that open pot? Would that go to people that were also signed up, the that submitted and signed up? Yeah, so the, the way it's going to work, that you could choose from would also be the people that you might award that open so pot the, money to. The way it's going to work is the open pot is only going to go to the people who signed up. Okay, to the, the academies that, that signed up. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I have like there's like a hundred there's like a hundred academies that signed up. Okay, very so cool. Far. And and the reason for that is because those people told me they need help. Okay. Right. Oh. They said to me, you know what? I need help. I want to be a part of this. And in my opinion, there's no reason to not be part of the option where someone can directly select you. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you be, even if you've got no sales, why wouldn't you take that opportunity to try to say, Hey, if you want to support me, support me during these times. And not only that, you're going to get access to something that helps your jujitsu as well. Mm -hmm. So you're not just giving me money, you're investing in yourself and you're also helping us too. And you're, you know, I think it's, it's a better way of doing it, at least for me, instead of saying, Hey, can you donate this money? Because the reality of it is the time that we're experiencing now it's not a situation where, you know, Milton BJJ is having trouble. Let's say your academy was only having trouble. Uh, let's say, you know, God forbid, God forbid you had a fire in your academy. Insurance wasn't covering anything. It's not the same thing as me saying, hey, we're having a, a profit share donation to help Milton BJJ get their academy back. Mm-hmm. That's not the world that we're in right now. The yeah. world we're in right now is everybody's experience yeah. in this. The whole entire, the whole, the whole entire world. Yeah is experiencing this. So I wanted to do something where I can help as many people as I realistically can. I do have a a rational thought behind it, an understanding. I can't help everybody. And it's a constant reminder that I'm also telling people because I don't want them to think that this is going to be their saving grace. Right. I just want to do something for somebody and do it with that without doing nothing for nobody. 
I understand. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I think it's, uh, I'll be, uh, I'm sure other people have thanked you, but for, uh, you know, for the BJJ practitioners out there and the people that, you know, know that their gyms are closed, I'll say thank you for doing this. This is just, you know, it was the first time that I saw, saw anybody doing anything for other people. I've seen everybody jump online with their online tutorials all of a sudden, and they've had to, I get it. Uh, but it's kind of like, I think they're a little bit late to the game. And this is a good option. Somebody that's been around for as long as you have with the system in place, if they could be part of this, uh, you know, I mean, you're going to cap out at how many students you have that are going to go on online and join your system because they're paying you the monthly fee. You know, I feel like people are doing it because they don't want to lose the monthly fee. And I and I get that. You know, I'm I'm not going to cancel my membership. I don't care how long this takes. My gym will be, able, you know, I've got an MCL tear and I'm still going to be paying my membership fees. And I encourage anybody out there that can do it to not cancel, you know, pay your, pay your fees. You will get it back at some point. Think about the family, the, the community that you receive from that place. Just, you know, what your coaches have done for you, what they go through, you know, better than I, you don't make a ton of money running a, a gym. You know, it's, it's a constant battle at new memberships, you know? So, uh, so I want to thank you for doing this and, and I hope that uh, a lot more people, you know, continue to support. You mentioned that you're currently, you're at about, a, you're making about a thousand dollars a day, in that pot that that's going towards just that pot. Okay. It's, it's a thousand dollars a day, um, total raised, right? Okay. So it's, it is between the direct, uh, commissions okay. and the open pot. Okay. Most of the money is in the open pot. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention is that I am almost, I'm also taking $10,000 of my own money oh, and wow. put it in the open pot. Right. Mm. So, um, that's no sales whatsoever. Like I'm literally mm. just taking $10,000 from the grappler's guide and already got it started. Okay. So, so then that that way, we know. First of all, it's you know that I'm serious about it, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, money I'm not making is. any. Money. Yeah, I'm not making. I'm not making any profit off of this. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I, in 2020, I was doing pretty well, um, and I'm going to get affected. I'm going to get affected by the coronavirus quarantine. The longer this goes on, the less sales that I'm going to get. The less mm-hmm. sales all online jiu-jitsu academies are going to get because as time goes on jiu-jitsu is no longer the priority right mm-hmm. your family is the priority how you're going to feed your this priority how you're going to do these certain things that's what's priority so you know i, I just want people to understand that i'm not doing this so i can make money because one thousand percent there's no possible way i'm making money off of yeah doing this yeah. you know um but I feel like because I feel like I'm in a better place than most, fortunately, right? Um, for the type of individual that I am, it would be a, a lost chance to try to help people, right? Yeah, like I said, true. once again, you only live one life, right? Either you either do you either you either you drive, you live it, you help people, you wing it, you, or you either wing it and you just kind of live through the world and just say, okay, I'm here. Or you take from people, yeah. Right? There's givers, there's takers, and there's people who just coast. Yeah. It's so the goal is for me to, if I have the ability to give and have the ability to help, then I'll help. You know. And the other plus is, you know, karma. Right? Maybe maybe some good karma will come my way yeah. because I, I had this conversation with my wife too. There's no such thing as a truly selfless act. Okay. Right. And the reason for that is people do nice things also because they feel good about it. Yeah. Right? If I didn't feel good about doing this, 
then I wouldn't do it, right? So that's the selfish part. The selfish part is that it feels good to be able to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, hopefully, I can do the best I can to help people. It is it is a fight too, right? Because I can see I can see the numbers. The numbers aren't the same as they used to be in February. Mm-hmm. If I compare my fit my January my February numbers numbers to March, it's much much lower, and it is a direct reflection to what's going on yeah. in the community right now because the world is affected. Yeah. And uh, I give like daily updates. I do video updates and I send emails out to the people who are on the list. We have a private Facebook group and I, I, I post on my phone and I say, Hey guys, here's an update for today. And I don't even just gonna up, give an update. I give it up. I talk about why we might've made as much as we did or why we may, might've made less. Okay. Uh, Cause I also don't want to give false hope. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never a fan of, of a false sense of security. Uh, you know, reality is reality. So I don't want people to think like, oh my goodness, like this is going to save my everything. If I give you 300 bucks at $300, you didn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's just, I'm just doing the best I can. And, and the situation, crazy situation that we're in basically. Yeah. And, and I go back to, uh, you know, and I'll say this uh, and then we can move on. A lot of times, you know, you're a gym owner, so I, you know, this will res- I guess I'm preaching to the choir here. When I hear guys complain about buying a gi from the academy, um, especially like a, you know, a smaller one, you know, if, if you're doing your gis yourself, uh, my academy just went to the fight sports academy, uh, you know, the, the official fight sports gis. But when I used to hear guys complaining or like sharing a link to some website that gives cheap gis, if I ever bought a gi on my own and I walked into my gym with a gi, I bought a gi. I made sure I also bought one from the from the coach. Uh, I've made t-shirts for years. I walk in with my t-shirts. Anytime he comes out with a t-shirt, I make sure I buy some of his. Uh, I'm fortunate that I'm able to do that. I know that everybody can do that, but I don't think that people always understand that. Yeah, maybe that gi's a little bit more expensive, to, you know, than the one online. But you're helping support that gym, and if you love your gym, and I do love my gym, you know, that extra twenty bucks it goes so far for that gym it goes so far for that academy that coach appreciates it and you see they're able to do more for you so you know when i see people complaining about oh that i had somebody tell me one time i don't pay more than 20 dollars for a t-shirt and he's selling them for 25 dollars. i was like really really that extra five bucks is why you're not going to support your academy uh, and it always bothered me that he said that and he's somebody that i consider a good friend but, you know, I didn't really address it with him in a, in a way. I said, you know, I'll pay the extra five bucks. I'm just supporting the school. So for all of you guys out there that can, you know, continue to support your schools, uh, don't wince every time, you know, they come out with a new gi or, uh, you know, some new T-shirts. It, it, you're going to support that academy. Um, uh, with that being said, so, you know, a- any final words on how people can sign up. I know you said there's a form that they fill out. Do you want to direct anybody, give out the, the URL, the, the website link to where people should go to sign up? They can, they can go to grapplersguide.com slash relief project. Okay. And they could fill out the Academy form. Uh, initially I was stopping taking academies, um, on Wednesday, but I, I'm, extending it because i know some people need more help mm-hmm. um so i'll keep it open until the end of next week and the reason the reason why that i am um restricting it right is because if i get the 400 academies right then it's 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 going to be the more loop. difficult yeah then it's like the more the more tickets that are bought in the lottery the less chance you have to win right mm-hmm. right so 
if I give people some opportunity, it's better than giving a thousand people the littlest bit of opportunity. Like, so if I, I want to, I want to be able to help people, but also kind of give people a realistic chance of actually like earning some sort of, um, some sort of funds if, if I can do it. The people who are putting some sort of initiative in, if I could see that, if I see, even if they don't make any money through direct uh, commissions, right? Mm -hmm. If they're, if I see some sort of initiative where they're, they're sharing maybe like a graphic that I made or if they're posting something and they're talking about it, then that's going to actually push me to look at them a little bit more. And the reason for that is because effort means a lot to me, Right. When you make effort, if you're making that effort to try to to try to make your to help yourself survive, right? Then I see that you're serious about it, right? Instead of being like, you know what, I'm going to sign up to this and I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed. Yeah. Right? This isn't about winning the lottery. This is about what type of what what are you actually doing to pro proactively make your life better in the situation that we're in right now. So if you sign up for this for this project and you and it seems like you're just signing up and just hoping you can win the lottery. The chances of you actually getting funds are a bit lower, in yeah. my opinion. If you if you sign up and actually see that there's effort, now it doesn't mean that you have to spam forums. It doesn't mean you have to spam Facebook groups because I tell people not to do that. I don't want you to be like, hey, click my link or hey, do this like like that's not what this is about. This is about saying to your students, hey guys, the Grapplers Guide is doing this this thing where they're helping out academies. Our academy is on the list. So mm -hmm. if you guys do decide to join the Grappler's Guide, you're going to get access to something that's going to help you, and it's also going to help the academy as well. It's a very simple you know, okay. paragraph of words that I believe is not a sales pitch. It's not a pushy thing. But by seeing that, at least I see people are making effort. So again, you're going to extend that sign-up time till when? To the end of next week. The end yeah, of next so week. And how long – how long are you going to be running the 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 program? It's going to April go to April. Yeah, so it'll go to April twenty third. So the uh, April fourth. Okay. Actually, what today? No, April fifth. So April fifth okay. will be the the date where I'm not going to take any more academies. Okay. April twenty third is how long this is going to last. Okay. Now I I know the government and a lot of. Uh, you miss you, a lot of state uh, run government as well. They're giving aid and they're giving loans mm -hmm. to businesses yeah. too. And that's going to help a lot of people. But one thing that that doesn't take into consideration is that if this goes on for two months, three months, four months, it's immediate attrition, right? Attrition rate for an academy is a problem, right? So it's, it's something mm -hmm. you're always trying to manage. But imagine how life is when everybody's gone at once. Yeah. Let's say you had 200 students and then you can't charge them anymore because it's just not realistic and it's not fair to everybody. And then you went from 200 students to zero. And now two, three, four months later on, you're finally op able to open up your academy. How many of those 200 students are you actually going to get back? You're probably lucky if you get 100 right away. Yeah. It's going to take a while. So those loans and those grants don't take into the fact that not only did this affect the person, their person's business, their person's livelihood, and the, the ability to like take care of people, it actually affect affected their student count. Yeah. As and then I mean, you're going to have. Uh, I was talking to my wife about this when I was telling her, you know, what you were doing. Um, 
we also have to factor in the uh, quote the the boogeyman, which is parents being scared to send their kids right back to the to to jujitsu for fear of oh, cool. who's sick, who might have it. This is still around. I mean, this isn't just going to disappear one day, you know. So the the boogeyman is going to you know scare a few. I shouldn't say a few, a lot of parents from bringing their kids back or even adults from, from just training again. So again, goes hand in hand with what you're saying, you know, who's coming back. You have 200 students. How many are actually going to come back through that door day one when you open? Yeah, there's going to be, a, there's going to be an unfortunate trickle effect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know exactly if Cal's going to go. I, I live in New Jersey, Yeah. 45 minutes away from New York city. Like we're literally in the hotbed of whatever's going yeah. on in the United States at the moment. New Jersey is like this tiny little state and it's this it has the second most cases in the country. Yeah. You know? And the fact that like New York is like a stone stone throw away, that doesn't help the situation yeah. as well. So like, you know, it's it's different now. Nobody's allowed to come to our house. It's just like a it's a crazy scenario. Yeah. I mean the, the the positive to it is, you know, we're going for walks more. Yeah, you know, spend Spending more time, time with, with family and everything. We're outside a little bit more. Yeah, um, you know, so you just you got to do the best you can to to think about the positives as well. Um, but you know, we're all in it together. We'll get through this. So let me go through. I mentioned my speed round. Uh, we have uh, a group of four questions. Changes uh, ever so slightly once in a while, but uh, these are just some general questions we ask. Uh, we've all answered as hosts, and we ask of all our guests. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so we'll start with, if you could go back in time, what would you tell the white belt you? We're talking about the moment before you stepped into the academy or you walked into the academy, the moment before you walked on the mat for the very first time, what would you go back and tell yourself? I would tell myself to make sure that I'm focusing on fun first. Okay. Right? Because if it's not fun, then you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and get as good as you can at guard retention. Okay. <laughs> guard retention, guard retention, guard retention. Okay. If I were to te- if I were to start over and I were to teach a white belt from scratch, literally for the first year if I could without dealing with their ADD brain, right? Mm-hmm. Where like their like their mind is all over the place, I would literally teach them pass prevention, guard retention, and sweep prevention for a year. I would. I don't even think I would teach them submissions, because okay. if your if your guard does not get passed, right, you're not you're not worrying, right. Yeah. If you're not worrying about being swept, you're not worrying, right. And along the lines, um, submission awareness, meaning like understanding where somebody can possibly attack you in submission mm-hmm. when you're inside their guard. Yeah. That's what I would tell my white 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 belt self. I would say, listen, you need to be the best pass preventer ever. Yeah. I talk a lot about the, uh, the book Jiu-Jitsu University. I'm sure you know that book and, uh, yep. pretty much the white, the, the chapter on white belt is, uh, and he touts, uh, Sal Hibero, uh, touts, I teach my white belts how to survive. I, I that's the whole, yeah. that's, that's the white belt chapter. So, uh, so yeah. that, so yeah, I definitely I, agree I would with also that. tell them, I would also tell my white belt self to not play close guard. <laughs> wait a minute. There's, hold on. Wait. Yep. There's, <laughs> there's a controversy in the world, right? So people think, people think, there's so many people who think that white belts should be learning closed guard first, and I don't agree. Okay. You know, the reason, the, I, we won't get into too much because I could probably make a whole episode about this. Okay. But the biggest reason for this is because 
open guard is one of the hardest things to play as a white mm-hmm. belt, right? It creates it creates an overwhelming sensation. It is something that like as soon as your guard your closed guard is open, mm-hmm. right? If you do not have a good open guard, you're worried. You're basically like, oh my goodness, my mm-hmm. my closed guard is open. If you get good at open guard first, it gives you the ability, in my opinion, to choose to play as much closed guard as you want. Because mm-hmm. if the person opens your closed guard, who cares? You're already good at open guard. I still watch your closed guard video because of that, and I'm so much more comfortable on my back because of that video. Because I feel like yeah. I have so many more tools in my toolbox. Uh, again, yeah. So I, you know, uh, I think there comes a point. Whatever belt it is, it is for an individual. I I can't say, but opening your guard for me is a trap. Is my trap. I kind of know when I open where I'm going based on how they're trying to get out of my guard, what, what their strengths and weaknesses. So I definitely agree with you there. So let's go to the next question here. So other than achieving the rank of black belt, which you've done many moons ago, what is your ultimate goal in jujitsu? Um, my ultimate goal in jujitsu is, what would you like to your legacy? What would you like to leave behind? Just, just, just to kind of like keep helping people, right? keep helping people get better and that's the purpose of the grapplers guy the grapplers guy literally the slogan initially was dedicated 100 percent to the improvement of your grappling performance right that's pretty much what it is and if you go on our, our facebook group there's no bs people are not allowed to post memes they're not allowed to post fight like street videos they're, they're allowed to do like dumb stuff essentially because it deviates from the purpose of what the grapplers guide is the grappler's guide is dedicated to helping people get better, and um, that's my ultimate my ultimate goal. And I think that's also why it gets a lot of praise, right? I think that's where there's why there's a lot of advocates for the grappler's guide because they understand that it's not just about people signing up and me making money. I'm, I legitimately want people to get better. Like I want people to improve because they joined the grappler's guide, and um, just in general, like when I teach seminars. I don't teach them walk in there, go through the motions, and walk out. I, and, and people ask me how long is the seminar. I say I say it's how however long you need it to be. Okay. That's how it is. When I teach a seminar, like it's the, the there's no block like timed out. It's the day, right? So if my mm-hmm. seminar is at five o'clock, it's from five o'clock to whatever. I'm like, you guys can ask me questions however long you want. And I even give money back. I'm, I tell people if you did if I didn't if I did not give you the ability to get helped in any way i will give your money back so that is my my goal in jujitsu is to be able to help as many people as possible um get better at it because if they get better at it they're going to enjoy it and they're going to experience the overall positive uh, positive effects of it right all right so next question what's the craziest jujitsu related thing that's ever happened to you on or off the mat the craziest jujitsu-related thing. I gotta think, man. My life is kind of boring when it comes. <laughs> we usually get it. People usually answer this with injuries. Oh, I broke this, snapped that, tore this. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it wasn't really me getting injured in self, myself. Um, there was two times where I had students dislocate their fingers, Ooh. and like, uh, you dislocate your finger, it goes from like being straight to now like crooked. Yeah. yeah. Right. This happened twice, and both times I reacted the same exact way, where the students broke, dislocated their fingers. I walked up to them, 
I said absolutely nothing. There was no panic. And I just went like this and went boop. And I just popped their fingers back into place <laughs> twice. Um, there was another time where I was training with uh, Edson Carvalho. And uh, he was another grinder. Like it was, it was, it was a tough training session. He was very good at judo, extremely good. And he was. I got my blue belt from him. Okay. And one of my training partners, we were training really hard, and he ended up throwing up on the mat. Oof. And Edson's like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you doing that?" <laughs> so, so my training partner, he runs off the mat. He didn't have any shoes on, obviously. He steps off the mat and then Edson's like, why do you not have any shoes on? <laughs> and then he goes to get his shoes and then Edson's like, why are you not on the mat? It was just like a completely, it was just like a completely insane scenario where I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, like everything was just like, why are you doing this? Like he was also, he was one of those instructors that like, it, he was, he did it as a joke. He walked around with like bamboo stick. Okay. Where like people were training, he would like smack him with a bamboo stick. He would choke us. He would choke us out with scarf hold. We would tap, and he'd be like, "Why you tap? That's not a submission. Why you tap?" And I'm like, "Oh my goodness! Like, what is happening here?" <laughs> so, yeah, those experiences were pretty crazy. Awesome, awesome. All right. So our last question, and I, I always say this. Me saying this is going to get old to our listeners, but I say this is probably the most important question that you will ever answer. In your jiu-jitsu career. Now, most of the time, the people I'm asking haven't trained as long as you do so, or, or you have. So, uh, but I, I, I like, this is a, a point of contention here amongst myself and my co-host. Yes or no? And why do you wash your gi belt? Yes. You do? All right. Yes. Okay, we're on team wash the belt. I do not wash it all the time. I don't okay. wash it every um, training session, but I do wash it. I mean, come on, like, like bacteria and germs and all that stuff. It gets on the belt, right? Yeah. And plus, how how do you expect your gi belt to get frayed as quickly as possible? <laughs> yeah, right. Make you know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah, cheating. If you're if you're if you're trying to get that faded look, especially as a black belt, if you're trying to get that faded look and you want to get like those frays <laughs> on the ends, you need to wash your belt as much as possible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, when there, especially the when there's a time, especially when there's a time that I, um, get soup, like I feel like I trained hard. I'm like, like I'm soaking wet. Everything goes in the wash. You know, the only thing I don't like about washing my belt is it shrinks. Yeah. So usually I have to get like a, a belt that's a little bit longer Yeah. because I wash and dry everything. I dry my yeah. geese. I dry my belts. Um, but yes, I do believe you should wash your belt. Yes. Like, you heard your it here, skills folks. do not go away. Your skills do not go away <laughs> if you wash your belt. But you know what comes? Staph infection, ringworm, and all that other stuff. I wish Junior was here to hear this. <laughs> all right. We got one for Team Wash Your Belt. Uh, uh, thank you so much for doing this, Jason. Uh, we're going to get this episode up as quickly as we can. Uh, I'm going to put the link to Grappler's Guide and the sign-up form uh, in, in the description, both on the podcast sound and on YouTube. So uh, we'll definitely give as much support as we can here. We'll continue to post. Uh, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anybody that you wanted to shout out? Uh, uh, well, we kind of said before, you may not be kind of in that sponsor realm, but uh, anybody you want to say hello to? 
oh, not really. My <laughs> wife, no. my daughter. Shout out to my wife Nina and kids and who will you know. not watch this. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, family. You know, I'm, I'm a family. I'm a family guy too. So I love my family. Um, as far as businesses are shut, just grapplers guy. That's it. All right. I represent myself. You know, I don't really you're, have sponsors. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. Yeah. Bo, this is where we're yeah, going to be so in a few years. <laughs> Grapplers Guide, grapplersguide.com. Check it out. I like seriously, if you join it, I'm telling you straight up, you're going to wonder why you didn't join it like years ago. You're going to see, you will see my sign up by tomorrow morning. Once we get, we got to pack up and close up the uh, the studio, but you will see me on there. I, and I, we're, I, my programmers, I, like I said, the Grapplers Guide has been around for 13 years. I'm literally at this moment redeveloping the whole entire site really so it's not even like yeah so it's not even like oh join the grapplers guide i'm going to close it next year like yeah. i am I, I have a programming team um that i've had for like the past four five years and they're redeveloping the whole site we're turning into a course program where you can uh mark off your lessons and track your what you watched and everything so i'm almost embarrassed i've talked about you for so long i'm talking to you and i'm not a member so that's going to change today yeah, I don't know what your problem is, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I really should be apologizing. I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, it's not acceptable <laughs> until I see that credit card yeah. receipt statement. Well, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna tell our listeners to stick around. We're gonna go over a little housekeeping and tell them what's new. But uh, we're gonna let you go. I appreciate you so much. Again, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing what you're doing for the, uh, the jiu-jitsu community and these academies. And uh, you know, again, anything we can do to help. Uh, let us know if you'd like to come on again and, and talk about it. You know, when you start awarding things, listen, anytime you want to come, this is a, a, this is a, 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 a friendly place for you to, to come and talk. And uh, maybe if it's just talking about jujitsu, we could do that too. All right, brother. Cool. Cool. Thank All you. Right, I appreciate Jason. it. Pleasure. Thank you very All much. Right, take man. care. You take care too. Peace. Take care, man. Take All right, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, you guys sticking with us. Uh, wow. Uh, I wish I had a whole group of people here to talk to about, about that. That's, uh, he's amazing. Uh, I, I really, uh, I love what he's got going on, but, uh, you know, we'll try to talk to, we'll, you know, we'll circle back with all the guys with junior and Janet, hopefully Raul and Mauricio. Uh, but, uh, you know, big shout outs to, uh, to everyone who's helped get us here. You know, we're always talking about fight back CBD. They've been with us from the beginning. Uh, so, uh, remember if you submit a question that we use on the show, fight back CBD gives us two bottles, every episode to give away to listeners. If I give away, if I'm using four questions on the show, we're getting two bottles, uh, and I figure out who's going to get them. I usually ask you if you want to take the CBD because not everybody, maybe it's somebody's in law enforcement or somebody just doesn't want to try it or is in a state that they're not allowed to receive it. I let you tell me if you want to take it. Uh, and if you don't, excuse me, It'll go to uh, to the next uh, winner, but uh, let's go. Let's just go down the list real quick and talk about the giveaways. Some of these things have changed, and some things that are going on have changed. So I think it's worth you guys sticking around. So as always, like and comment on the YouTube video, and you're going to get entered to win a fifty dollar gift card from the Jujitsu Dummies dot shop. And you also want to subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, that that just helps us immensely getting to where you know getting to our goals of. Uh, of being able to just do different things, actually different features open up for you on YouTube as you get closer to a, a, a thousand subscribers. Um, if you order from Fightback CBD, which you should, go to fightbackcbd.com, use code JJD to get 15% off your order. Also, again, uh, 
choke responsibly, which you see on, well, you may not see it because the geese are covering them up, but chokeresponsibly.com was our original t-shirt site. It is now jujitsudummies.shop, the official podcast store, and you can get 10% off your order with Dummies Pod 16. We just put up our new ranked rash guards for men, and uh, that's as of today as the day that we're shooting. Uh, we'll have the... Uh, the women's rash guards and rash guards for kids. Uh, they won't be ranked. They'll just have the, the white belt for the kids. But for the women and the men, you'll have ranked guards, so white to black belt. Um, you've got backpacks, coffee mugs, different things like that on the website as well. So, you know, dig in a little bit and, and you'll find all that stuff. Um, podcast patron winners, uh, we're going to be awarding going forward the patron program is going to have two giveaways. We're going to give away not only to, uh, I shouldn't call it the patron program, I should say as a giveaway, we're going to give away to a listener who submitted a question, the same package or a similar package that we're giving to our podcast patrons. So we're going to be giving away two full minimum of $100 worth of jujitsu swag every month. So we'd love your support on Patreon, but if you can't, and you're a listener who submits questions often, you're automatically opting into receiving a, you know, the $100 worth of, of swag every month. Anyone out there that would like to work with us, sponsor the show, donate products for giveaways, please reach out by email or social media. It's at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies pretty much everywhere, right? IG, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can visit or contact us on jujitsudummies.com. You can send an email to info at jujitsudummies.com. I get all that stuff. You can, uh, you can communicate with me directly, and I handle all the social media, so it's me answering you if you ask a question or if you submit a question for the show. Our contact page on jujitsudummies.com allows you to suggest a person that you want to see or hear on the show. So please do that. We do reach out to those people and, you know, um, we invite them on the show, you know? So, uh, again, thank you to flow kimonos and jits Kings for the geese that we won. This is the last episode that you're going to see them up here because we're going to be choosing two winners for the month of March. And we're going to be shipping these out along with some foundation mugs, decals, and some, some gee patches. Okay. Again, if you want to support us on the show, uh, you know, it's what helps keeps us keep us on the air. Go to patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies. You can join and support, but automatically be entered in to win the $100 worth of jujitsu swag every single month. Current patrons include, number one, we have our newest patron, Eric Perkins. Eric, please send me an email. Hopefully you're hearing this, but I'm going to reach out to you. Uh, I want to get your belt rank. I want to get the school that you train at. Uh, give you a little bit of a better shout out than I'm doing here today. Britt Tover or Tovar, you're going to tell me. You'll correct me, I'm sure. You'll hit me up online, tell me which one uh, it should be. Uh, but Britt has been, is, uh, has been with us since last uh, or earlier in March. Uh, we appreciate her so much. She posts a ton. We're always reposting her stuff in our stories. So we love you, Britt. James Fisher, he's the winner of uh, the uh, the piece that we had from Diane Portman. He just got that, so looking for some pictures from him. Uh, CJ Carroll in Mission 22, big shout out. Chuck Reddor, who is uh, has been with us since the beginning and gives just creates the funniest memes, not ones that you always see because I'm not sure that I could always post them. Like the last one he sent uh, about Abu Ghraib, but I, I may get... Uh, uh, I may man up and uh, and actually post that one. 
Damien Soto and Robert Santiago, again, two more of our patrons. We really appreciate everything that you guys do from the reposting to just being a patron. So we love you guys for that. Um, this is a, a, a big change, and this is something that's going to affect uh, the show and the foundation uh, in, in a very positive way. We wanted to mention that Junior's already been an ambassador for the We Defy Foundation. I just got approved to become an ambassador for the We Defy Foundation. So we're going to talk more in the coming episodes about how we're going to be working with them, how that affects the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation, because they do what we were trying to do, which was provide scholarships or to help people find Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, so we want to thank TJ and Anthony for getting us approved. But stay tuned. We're going to do some uh, some more with them. Hopefully we'll have their logo on the backdrop here. But uh, we're going to figure out how we can work with them the best, uh, whether it's supporting financially or getting out and, and spreading the word. For those of you who don't know who we defy, who they are and what they do, they provide combat veterans coping with military-connected disabilities. They provide them with a long-term means to overcome their challenges with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and fitness training. So that's what they do. That's what we were trying to do. So, uh, you know, it's uh, we're not going to step on their toes, but we're going to really push to help them out. Uh, lastly here, the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. You can find us on Instagram at the JJD Foundation, on Twitter at the JJ Dummies FDN. And then our GoFundMe for the foundation is in the description. We're probably going to shut that GoFundMe down soon and then restart it because anything that we raise in the current GoFundMe, uh, a portion of those proceeds are going to go to WeDefy. We're going to then probably launch a new one that's specific to what we're doing, how we're changing, uh, if we're still going to be doing it with first responders and children and just not award to to the military veterans and let them do that we're, we're going to figure that all out it's all positive it's all a good thing so uh so stay tuned for more of that uh want to thank bo for coming out and shooting today i want to thank him for staying away from me for staying more than six feet away from me today <laughs> where's my where's my buzzer hold on no. so uh so want to thank you for coming out hopefully we can get this one out to you guys real quick uh, that's all we got for you today, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're seeing us on YouTube, thank you again to Jason. It's amazing. Go support thegrapplersguide.com, and uh, we'll be back soon, guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Us. Awesome.